Good morning and good evening, EPL State of Mind listeners. You have myself, James, and Sean on the mics today. Kyle, unfortunately, cannot join us. He is finally taking that financial test that we have been told he's studying so hard for. So we wish Kyle the best of luck in his endeavors with that. And we also wish the Man United fans of the listeners here a big congratulations for a major win this weekend in the Carabao Cup over Newcastle. But we'll get into that further into the series. But uh, again, welcome back for week number seven, episode Hammer Time. And you'll know why it's called that later on in the podcast. But we're going ahead and get right into it with our typical hot news segment. And there's a, a good amount of little hot news here this week. We have some big news from coaching staff finally being announced to unfortunate passings and a big, big new contract for one of the Premier League's finest keepers. So the first one here at EPL State of Mind, we would like to send our thoughts and our prayers to the family of John Motson, an announcer. He passed away at 77 years old. If you haven't watched something in a while, he was an old school football game on YouTube. You've definitely heard his voice before. So unfortunately, he passed at the age of 77, but is an icon in the sport and in the games. So uh, thoughts and prayers to his family. Uh, going into the lighter end of things is Jordan Pickford and Everton. We kind of spoke about him earlier in the podcast. We weren't really sure what he was going to end up doing if Everton were to be relegated. And we still don't know because Everton still has a uncertain future. But we do know that Jordan Pickford is tied to Everton for the next four and a half years, provided they don't try to offload him if he does uh, get relegated. Because I'm sure he won't be sticking around. I think this might be something that Everton did financially savvy to you know, possibly anticipate relegation. They tie him for another four and a half years. His contract value goes up if they were to try to sell him. Uh, he currently just re-signed for four and a half years, as I noted before, till 2027 with a 100,000 pound week deal. So we're going to be monitoring that very, very closely. Again, I think we all have a, a large respect for Pickford. He is uh, England's number one at the moment. I don't know if his time at Everton is going to help him with that, with the lights of Nick Pope once he gets off of his red card uh, kind of uh, uh, vanishing there and Aaron Ramsdale who's having a stellar season as well so it'll be interesting who does take number one and see what what you know Everton's future and Jordan Pickford's future has in store um, Sean I don't know if you have anything you want to point out with with Jordan Pickford but I mean we we both appreciate the lad he is um, yeah, I love his little arms and how they prevent um, him from saving the ball against Liverpool. So I really appreciate that about his game. Um, we did talk about it as a potential being a replacement for Hugo Lloris a few weeks ago. Um, I still think it's possible. Obviously, if they go down, this contract gives Everton a little bit more leverage and negotiating power. But at the end of the day, he's a Premier League quality goalkeeper. He's not going to stay with Everton if they were to go down. Um, and they were dealt a blow this past weekend a 2-0 defeat at Goodison and we've highlighted before how important Goodison is and them having to take points when they do play those games at, at home. Um, so a big loss this weekend, but um, in the instance where he, he does go down uh, w with Everton, I, th I think he'd be purchased pretty quickly by somebody in the t top half of the table. Um, but you know, they lock up their star. He's been their best player for the last, you know, several seasons. So good move for Everton for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they came in a great run there at home with the bounce back against Arsenal and they did beat Leeds one nothing before that. So unfortunately, uh, Sean Dyche couldn't make it three home runs in a row. I think the honeymoon phase might be over there, but uh, we'll see. 
on to talking about a new coach of Sean Dyche. We did get two announcements this weekend. Sean, if you want to take this one away, we have a new coach for Southampton who is not ultimately new to the team. Yep. Uh, Ruben Sellas has been appointed as the manager for the remainder of this year. Uh, the Valencian, shout out to our boy Juan, uh, was <laughs> was the assistant manager at the beginning of the year for Ralph Hasenhutl. Um, he made his bones as a fitness coach starting off in Greece. He's been in Norway. He's been in Russia. Um, but this is only the second uh, time he's ever been in charge of a team as the head coach. Uh, the other time was with Valencia's under-18s in uh, 2020. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets on. Um, but obviously a very tough task for him uh, taking over a team at the bottom of the table. Um, and things got tougher because he actually lost to the next guy that we're talking about, uh, Javi Grazia at Leeds, who just was appointed as the manager there for the remainder of this season. Um, so obviously a, a huge game between two of the teams that were in the relegation zone at the start of uh, the fixtures this weekend. Um, and, and Leeds and Javi Grazia did get the win, a uh, 1-0 win for them off a goal from Junior Furpo. Um, Grazia was the manager at, at Watford a few years back. He helped to keep them up um, and then was quickly disposed of uh, after a poor start the following season. Um, plays a very similar style to, to Jesse Marsh. Plays a very similar style to, um, you know, Marcelo Bielsa. It's all about the high press. Uh, that's a big part of it. And he really relies on athletic central midfield players, which, you know, he has Adams and McKinney, and, and that's what they do best. You know, their intensity, their work rate, and, um, you know, their pressing are all, all big things. So they're going to be crucial for leads in, in the next, you know, coming weeks. Which out of these two managers do you think will have the upper hand? I know they just met each other. And obviously, as you said, uh, Grazia had the, the upper hand in this occasion. But in the long run of the competition, the remainder of the EPL season, who, who would you put your horse behind? Yeah, I, I think it's got to be Leeds. Um, Grazia having the experience in a relegation scrap and surviving it obviously stands out. But um, he's also coming in with a little bit more points in the bank compared to Sellas. Um, and I just think that the squad at Leeds is a little bit better than it is at Southampton. So just for those three factors, I would lean towards Grazia. But, um, you know, Sellas hasn't played a little bit better, obviously conceding less. And, and they did get a win um, over Chelsea in, in his first, you know, um, first go round. So a struggling Chelsea. So I don't know how much, unfortunately, of an accomplishment we can call that now. But it is still one of London's finest in the past. So we'll give him credit where it's due. And who knows, maybe he'll go on to continue Southampton's incredible run in the FA Cup. They do have Grimsby uh, coming up, but we'll speak about that later on. But it's, you know, a possibility that they continue their run into the next round. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that That's basically what they're looking for. It would be wild, and you and I have talked about it before, if Southampton were to go down but ended up winning the FA Cup um, and they were in the, both the championship and Europe next year, it would be, be a wild concept. I don't know if that that's ever been done before. We might have to check that out. But to be in, in the championship, the league right below the English Premier League, for those who don't know, it, it goes the Premier League, the championship, League One, League Two. And those are your basic main four leagues there. Uh, you might be, you know, if you are American listening, you might know what League Two is because of Wrexham. They're currently in there, which is actually Grimsby's was their main competitor last year and got promoted from League Two into League One. So it would be an insane idea to have a European tournament with a, a championship squad that would be Southampton. So, I mean, they still have some really stiff competition with Man U, Man City, West Ham, and Fulham. 
but uh, we, we could see what happens there. But, but, but that's some hot news. I think that'd be a great thing to see. I think we have some two coaches that we're going to really figure out. I think one of them will survive. One of them will not. So we'll see who can make it there. And, and if uh, Pickford decides to stick around or, or whatever Everton decides to do with him, we'll be able to figure that out in the upcoming future too. We are, we are getting towards the second half of, of the season when we're into it, but it's, you know, the games are going quickly. We have mid, midweek games now, so it's a lot of play. A lot of things start to come into factor. So we'll see. Speaking about a lot of games midweek now, too, we're going to swing into our next segment in a minute, and that is kind of going over the European blunders that we had this week or and the last week and the week previously with the championship. I'm sorry, the, the Champions League. So we'll, we'll do a little highlight reel of that and, and carry on. Champions League, home of Europe's finest competitors, and the majority of the time, we do see a lot of stiff competition coming from the EPL. Unfortunately, over the past two weeks, we have not seen that fight come from the EPL side of things, but we are not counted out yet. Unfortunately, we went 0 for 4 in the cha- in the first leg of the Champions League with our teams of Chelsea, Man City, Spurs, and I'm missing one here. Help me Liverpool. out. And Liverpool. Oh, Thanks for that's right. That up. I'm sorry. I, I swear I didn't mean to drag that one out, but it just <laughs> happened. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to Liverpool, but we'll start off with the Milan-Tottenham game. So Milan won this game one nothing, Despite having more shots, um, the, the Spurs had 11 to Milan's 9. The Spurs only registered four on target. And, uh, you know, Milan also had the lion's share of big chances with fours to Spurs zero. So that normally results in an XG factor uh, greater than the opponent, obviously. So the Milan had an XG of 1.89 to Spurs 0.44. So despite them coming off strong this weekend against Chelsea winning 2 nothing, the Spurs seem to struggle here. Um, this was Milan and Tottenham's first. In, uh, this was Milan's first win against Spurs in the Champions League, and they'll look to make it a second next Wednesday. But it is home at Spurs at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium now, which is a huge factor. They typically play a lot better at home. Uh, you know, traveling away to to AC Milan definitely is is not an easy task for any team, especially with AC having a relatively good season this year in, in Serie A. Uh, but hopefully for the EPL side of things and representing the English Premier League in the Champions League, uh, the big W against the London Derby, their rivals Chelsea this week can kind of carry that momentum. So they do play next Wednesday. Um, and I think I, I haven't heard anything that would show against us, but we have a healthy Spurs with the, with the exception of Hugo Lloris. Um, and we will get a return of, I believe their gaffer Conte. I think he's, he's on the up, from his gallbladder uh, surgery. So I think uh, we will see him, although I, if you're a Spurs fan and uh, you, we have our assistant coach as the interim right now, and I think he's won the last four uh, games. I don't know if you necessarily need Conte to, uh, to get out of bed rest here, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, the next English Premier League side that is not a stranger to a winless tie is uh, Chelsea. So Dortmund won the game one nothing. Uh, it was home in Dortmund, so that's obviously not an easy task either. The Bundesliga fans really show up 
Uh, it's just a sea of yellow and black. And, uh, you know, unfortunately for Chelsea, they had the lion's share of shots. They had 21 shots at this match, eight of them on target, but they had an XG of 2.20. That kind of summarizes Chelsea in a nutshell right there. They're getting the ball, they're possessing the ball, and they just can't finish the ball. They, they are having such an issue with, with, with the talent they have. I don't understand it. it the craziest fact that I'm just going to jump to right now is since their loss against Dortmund and the start of 2023, Real Madrid has more goals in England than Chelsea does in 2023. Real Madrid, unfortunately, Sean, has five. And Chelsea has only registered four goals so far. And only one have come in the month of February. And that was from Zhao Felix and a tie versus West Ham 1-1. It's insane to me what is happening. I would say because the second leg is home at Stamford Bridge, this could be a very nice win for Chelsea. But with the way with Dortmund's playing lately and the way that Chelsea is just running out of form, I, I don't see this going a very positive direction for Chelsea. I think we see in possibly a very early exit in the Champions League run for two seasons ago champion. I mean, it's, it's crazy. What do you think, Sean? Yeah, um, I do think that right now they're just completely lacking any cutting edge in the attacking side of things. So, and we've we've discussed this before. I think this would be the death knell for Graham Potter, even even with the you know the new signings, and you can make all the excuses you want. You spend six hundred million pounds, you got to have results at some point. That's just there's no it's a non negotiable. Um, so if they do get bounced by by Dortmund, I think that that'll be it for him. Um, but just moving on, just so we can touch on it briefly, so I don't have to talk about it ever again. Um, <laughs> as you mentioned, Real Madrid absolutely um, butt-fucked Liverpool. I guess that's the best way to put it. Uh, so that was disgusting. Just threw up all over all over my desk at work. Um, and then the other one being Leipzig Man City. You don't watch it at home? Like, you don't go social? I like to go social dark mode for my Gunners games when I'm at work. You, you just bear down and try to watch it on the fly? Well, the kid, the kid across from me at work just starts asking me questions about things going on during the game. So I'm like, all right, well, now I just have, to, I basically have to watch it. So I just have it up on my phone while I'm doing stuff on my computer. Yeah, I, I've made it very clear to my office, and I think they all know when a gunner game is because I just shut it out. But um, oh, again, you don't I wear don't... you don't wear your uh, gunner thong, scarf, hat, jersey, and uh, shorts like you did at my house on Saturday morning. I never said that, but I do keep it very limited. I keep it limited. But I, I did go a little overboard with the apparel on Saturday, but I think it was worth seeing your reaction when I walked through the door and your and your girlfriend complimenting my hat and then you just responding immediately, we don't like that hat. That's not A2, a good hat. A2 Brute. That was a <laughs> Oh, man. Despicable. Maybe, but to, By the way, we had also were subjected to maybe one of the most boring matches of the year. In the uh, the Leicester uh, Arsenal game, uh, I mean, for you guys, we got robbed of two goals, a PK, and then oh, I don't know what the hell is going on. The agenda the, is so real. Yes, I'm sure there's an agenda against the biggest team <laughs> in the biggest city in the country. That makes a lot of sense. I'm sure the the Premier League would sure hate they, to see they, a team in <laughs> London where all the people are and with the historically large fan base, they're out to get that team. That makes loads of sense. They definitely want to see Man City win. Obviously, they have no financial gain or no, you know, objection to Man City. I think they're a huge Man City fan, obviously, since all the allegations that they're putting against them. I think they just want to see Man City do really well. That just must be it. <laughs> uh, 
I guess so. Just so just speaking on them, obviously they had a one-one draw with Leipzig. I had a couple of notes on this game because I did I did watch um, watch it back. I thought that Leipzig in the first half looked so lost, and I thought City would just kind of walk, you know, kind of cruise through this tie. Um, but the second half of this game, Leipzig was pressing and really forcing Man City into a lot of mistakes, and then capitalized on a corner from Jasko Gvardiol, who um, is probably going to get a move this summer. He was great for Croatia in the World Cup, probably one of the three or four best center backs at the World Cup, and then. You know, he's picked up from there with Leipzig. He's in great form as well. So looking like Michael Jordan just absolutely skying up for the header to uh, to equalize. But I still think Man City will probably get through that um, at the end of the day, going back to the empty head. Yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, I think p- playing one of the best teams in the world at their home stadium and having to not concede any goals and score one is is a monstrosity of a task especially with uh, Man City coming off of a really dominant win against the Cherries against Bournemouth over the weekend. That game isn't for another uh, two, I believe, two Tuesdays, uh, which is, yes, correct, the 14th. But still, a lot of action can happen between then. Who knows, Holland might have 32 goals by then, currently sitting, I believe, at 27. So it's, it's just impossible to really know what Man City team or what Holland you're going to get. But you can definitely expect a few goals. For sure. With that being said, I think we can pop into the segment uh, number three, which is our weekend highlights. We got a really exciting one that I, I would love to highlight just because we talk a lot about the big names and we talk about relegation a lot. And I think one of the most exciting games this weekend was unfortunately totally destroyed my lock of the week that I thought a, a rising force would would win and we'd go home rich as hell because of Vegas odds for force. But West Ham um, really dominated the game. So we'll highlight West Ham's game. We'll talk about, of course, the biggest game, I think, of the weekend, which is the Carabao Cup against two teams that haven't won a championship, haven't won a cup in a while or a major trophy. So we'll highlight that and, and get it rolling there. A lot of fun stuff. Well, with Kyle not here, I will give him a shout out because Vegas did prove him and I wrong. We weren't sure what we were seeing with a draw, no bet line of plus 245 for Forrest, but West Ham really gave it to him and to I with a 4 nothing win. Uh, I think the entirety of the game was in West, Ham, West Ham's you know pocket. I mean, they were really dominant the whole entire time. And then to put four goals in the last 30 minutes or so of the game with stoppage time was was a really strong performance and I think it was the strongest 11 that we did see start uh, for the Hammers yet Uh, they started it with a 4-2-3-1 and this was incredible I mean they did have a change up top they put Ings in who was returning from on off injuries he had two goals in the game they had uh, Ben Rama with two assists who's been performing really well all season Bowen who's been arguably their most consistent attacking player this season so far only second to maybe Paqueta, who has been re- battling a shoulder injury, who actually went down in the game, holding his shoulder, that we thought we had a bit of a scare there. Uh, but he, he got up and continued to play. He's only played 16 matches so far. So if he can maintain uh, his health alongside of Declan Rice in the center, that's that's their core attacking group right there. And I think without them, without that entire mesh happening, it's going to be a struggle. But if they can keep those guys healthy, I think it's a really impressive West Ham side. You know, I think the main issue with the Hammers 
in the previous games was a lack of goals. I mean, they're currently tied for 13 with a really struggling in front of the net Chelsea with 23, and they're only one above Bournemouth. Uh, you know, West Ham have conceded only 29 goals, which is the seventh fewest in the league. So that's not the issue there. It's clearly the lack of performance in front of the net. And unfortunately, Bowen was their, uh, was their leading goal scorer last year with 12 goals and 10 assists. And he's been their most consistent performer with only four goals and two assists this season. A lot of people will argue uh, that Antonio also hasn't had a great season. It shows. I mean, Moyes, I think, made the right decision of starting Ings, a healthy Ings over Antonio who has been struggling. Um, he was their main man on, up top last year with 10 goals and eight assists. Uh, they had 60 goals last season. So to be there with only 23 right now, a little over halfway is concerning. Uh, their defense is, is, is pretty solid. Unfortunately, Sean, I know you mentioned this to me earlier, but one of their main facts there coming off with an injury. Uh, but like I said before, Antonio's, Antonio's been struggling uh, with only three goals and two assists. It's just a lack of performance there. So I think the purchase of Danny Ings will make a big impact on correcting this. You know, Antonio is 32 years old with one year left on his contract. Uh, there is an option to extend his contract further one more year, but his market value has gone from about 18 million pounds to 9 million. So I think if you're West Ham, I think you're looking to the future. And I know Danny Ings isn't very young either with 30, but they do have Skamaka as, as their new backup at 24 years old. And he's showing a lot of promise in the future when he is healthy and when he's performing well. He was one of the best strikers in Serie A. So I think it was a great pickup from them. And I think that's kind of the passing of the torch. You know, to highlight Danny Ings further, he's only played five games for the Hammers. And this was the first one he started. The other games that he played, the most minutes he got was 23 against Chelsea. And that was a 1-1 tie. So I think Moyes has got his starting 11 based off of this game. Um, unfortunately, there are a couple adjustments that will need to happen due to some injuries. And I know, Sean, you made a great point. I think if, if you want to touch upon that briefly as a Hammer fan, I don't know how concerned you are, or how serious the injuries are, but some, some major injuries during the match. Yep. So uh, Vladimir Sufal, who's their right back, who's been uh, really good for them since he came over a couple of years ago from, uh, I believe, from the, the Czech Republic. And then their goalie, Luis Fabianski, um, he got poked in the eye and he came off. Um, so they're both expected to miss the midweek FA Cup game against uh, United. But we'll see see kind of what the extent of those injuries are. That's And that's really kind of, to your point, one of the reasons why they have you know struggled in front of goal is just because of injuries. They just haven't had that consistent starting 11 like you're talking about. The only guys who have started every game in the Premier League for them this season, Jared Bowen, uh, Declan Rice, and Fabianski, the goalie. So that's it. Mm -hmm. the, to your point, they just haven't had a consistent starting 11. And, um, you know, Danny Ings is a very, you know, solid Premier League quality striker, but I can attest to this as a Liverpool fan. He also struggles for uh, with injuries quite a bit. So, um that's the key for them. If they can keep that, you know, starting 11 and then a couple of guys off the bench healthy, I think they should, you know, finish safely above the relegation zone with, you know, with comfort. And then we'll see what they do in the conference league, but they keep getting decimated by injuries. It's just not that deep of a squad and then they could be in trouble. But this week was obviously a huge win for them. Like you said, against a team Forrest, who had been the, you know, had been in the best form in the Premier league since the start of the year. So a big win for West Ham, no doubt. It's tough because West Ham, like you mentioned just now, if I'm a West Ham fan, I might be slightly split. I don't think you can 
start to direct all your attention to the conference league because we do know that it's not the most impressive in Europe. But if you win that, you get bumped up to uh, the Europa next year. Yep. So that's a huge feat, but also you, you do have a little bit of a looming factor of relegation. Like I said before, I think you're fine as West Ham, so you don't want to spread too thin. But I, I think if I'm West Ham, I might try to push a little bit more on the Conference League. I think they have a great opportunity to make Europa next year with with that with that tournament. But like you said, it's it's all about staying fit and staying healthy. So we'll see if they have that rotational ability. But speaking about cups and tournaments and whatnot we had our first cup opportunity for the english premier league sides and that was with the caribou cup on sunday it was a really exciting game um i did put my money on man united to win at the beginning money line in regular time and i am a happy boy because of the win but also sad because i don't love man U. I think seeing a man i'm sorry seeing a newcastle win would be great but I think it's great for either side. You know, this is the first trophy for Man U since 2017 when they won the FA Cup. And this would have been Newcastle's first domestic cup since their FA Cup win in 1955. They did win what is now called the Conference League, which is what West Ham is playing for right now in uh, in 2006. But obviously, uh, their fan base was just excited to be in another cup tie. So I think uh, it was really promising showing of, of both teams. So, Sean, if you want to go over some of the key points and highlights that you have, I have a few follow-up questions to you to, to kind of determine where we stand with Man U and Newcastle going forward. But before we move forward, let's talk about the game. Yeah, it's kind of a, a dawn for uh, for both teams and both managers, really. Obviously, Ten Hag's first trophy and the way that United have played this year and some of the additions that they've made with the um, expected arrival of new owners in the summer – this could be the first of many trophies at Man United. I hate to say it, but for Ten Hag and, and this core group of players, it's obviously looking promising. Um, and, you know, who else but, you know, Casemiro to step up and score a goal in a final. He's done it before. He's done it in Champions League final. Carabao Cup is like a piece of piss to him. You know what I mean? He doesn't He doesn't yeah. even sweat that game. He's just, just another game for a guy who's won a Champions League five times. Great header from him. And then who else but Rashford, obviously. Guy had to score just just a given that was interesting one because they actually awarded that as an own goal against newcastle initially i remember seeing that after the game and i'd be like i mean i'm all for for taking a goal from rashford but if you're gonna take one from him, it's definitely not that one and they actually corrected it and came out today and awarded the goal to rashford who have we said a million times i'll say it a million one times is in the purest most insane form in the world. And right now he's probably the best uh, outside attacker right now in, I would say all of the world. I mean, speaking about all of the world and, and, and blowing up Casemiro, he did just come out today. He won the, the, he's, he got awarded one of the starting 11 of FIFA 2022 best players. So it just goes to show that this team is, is, is really putting all the puzzle pieces together. And I think Rashford and Casemiro are the glue. Obviously, Eric Ten Hag, as you mentioned, is is the maestro controlling it all. But without those three, without Rashford in form, without Casemiro coming in, I think we would have seen a continuing downfall. So it's a massive upswing there. Sure, absolutely. Casemiro has been crucial. Um, he's been the guy in the midfield that they've been calling out for for years, what Pogba was supposed to be. Um, mm. And obviously, 
saving not just Man United fans, but all of us the just absolute agony of having to watch McFred in a, in a dual pivot because <laughs> it's just yeah, it's so bad. It's a, it's a disgrace to football. So uh, oh, yeah, he's world class, absolute stud of a player. So um, yeah, I guess congratulations to Man United. Obviously, when Liverpool won it last year, I cared greatly about the Carabao Cup. Then when we got bounced out of this early, now I don't give a shit about it. So congrats <laughs> on your tin pot trophy. Unless we win it next year, then I'll care again. <laughs> yeah, I asked you earlier today, like, I think these guys are celebrating it pretty hard. But again, like you said, I think you said the best. I'm not going to tell a professional soccer player or a professional football player how to celebrate a big win. Uh, but obviously, I think if any of our teams won it, I think the others would say it's just the Carabao Cup. Right, right. But that kind of leads me into the conversation. I know, you know, throughout the game, Newcastle really showed some uh, really promise in there. Unfortunately, again, for them, this was the second game in a row uh, against an English Premier League side uh, that they uh, they let up two goals in the first half. Or I don't know if they had, I forget if they had one in between Liverpool, uh, but this is uh, the second time that they left two goals in the first half. So I'll ask you this question and we'll bounce back into to Man U. But Sean, are we seeing the, the possible, I don't want to say downfall, but a spiral here for Newcastle? Or are they kind of getting a check back into reality? I think we all said that they were ahead of schedule before. So maybe this is this is their schedule line. You know, they haven't had a lot of wins. They've had a ton of draws. It kind of showed in this game and it showed all season that they're just not really equipped to play from behind. Uh, You know, again, they they went down 2-0. They haven't had a single win from playing from behind this season. Uh, They went down 1-0 against Bournemouth. They came back to tie 1-1, but that's not a W. They lost 2-1 against Sheffield in the FA Cup. They lost that 2-1 after being down. They tied Wolves 1-1 only to a 90th minute goal to bring it back in August. And they also tied Man City 3-3 after going down one nothing, and then going up 3-1 just to tie it 3-3. Besides having that grit to come back from behind, is this kind of what Man, Man I'm sorry, Newcastle is supposed to be? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a correction to what we expected and kind of their level. Um I, I, I don't think they're going to finish top four anymore, but I do think they'll still get European football. Um, I do want to give credit to my boy, Loris Karius, who obviously under very tough circumstances came in, and I thought he made a pretty good acquittal of himself. Absolutely. Um, same Maxi Man created a couple of chances for Newcastle in this game, but for the most part, United were clearly like the better side, in my opinion. Um, and Karius made a couple of big saves. Couldn't really do anything on the first one. The second one, I mean, you know, if you want to give him a hard time for going down too early on the deflection, again, you can't really fault the guy for that, in my opinion. But, you know, I I do have a soft spot for him. Um, But, yeah, I mean, you made the point, and and it's really the case. This is just not a team that's, you know, forward-thinking or attack-minded. So when they go down early, um, it's going to be a struggle for them to win games. Um, And, obviously, two goals quickly in the first half, that's – pretty much a death nail um and they really didn't look like they were ever going to come back in this game united looked clearly like the better team yeah i have to agree with you about your boy uh, there's absolutely nothing he can do about that first goal I, as great as it was a header i think luke shaw shows time and time again how valuable of a player not only from the back but from his capability of putting in set pieces and crosses that was one of i think the english premier league's finest cross this season 
and it shows how important it is to have set pieces in your back pocket. So, um, I, I, you know, I, I, it was a fun game to watch. I unfortunately was watching in the car the entire time, but it was, it was a fun game to watch. Going back to the other side of the coin, I'm going to kind of reorient this question a little bit to you, Sean. Instead of saying, does this prove Man U is the real deal? Because I, I think it might be. I'm going to switch it up and say, if you're Man U right now and you're still in the quad, but you have one of the most congested schedules out there right now, where is your focus? Are you, are you, are you going to spread yourself a little bit too thin here? I mean, you have, they have had two games a week, I believe, since the start of the new year. And they will have two games until March 18th. That's when they're playing again with the Europas. They have the, they just had the Carabao Cup final. They have the FA Cup. And of course, they're still fighting for top four, possibly a, a very late title run. I don't know if it's too, a little too late, too late there. But where, where's your focus right now? Yeah, I think for them, obviously trying to go far in Europa. I think FA Cup, if they, you know, if they go far in that, that's nice. They're not trying to, and I think Ten Hag, you know, it would send the wrong message if they just. Um, you know, bowed out of any competition or, or didn't compete. But I, I expect their focus is on Europa and and getting top four. I mean, they'll, they'll finish top four. They're not in the title picture. I don't really care what anyone says. If you're five points behind Man City right now, you're not winning the league. That's just, yeah. let's be let's be realistic. Here. A lot of but ground. They, yeah, it's, it's too much to cover. You're not going to, if you're relying on, on City dropping multiple points and you don't have a chance to play them again, um, at this point in the season, I, I think it, it'd be naive to think you'll finish above them. Um, and then obviously you also have to get, you know, chase down Arsenal as well. So no, I don't think they're in the title race. I think their focus is on winning Europa. Um, but like you said, obviously the, their squad depth is going to be tested six games in, uh, 14 days, between starting from last Thursday, um, the game Sunday, they play midweek, they play Liverpool at the weekend. And they, then, like you said, starts up again with Europa. So, um we'll we'll see and their depth's going to be tested it's it's a ton of games uh, i've heard a lot of coaches and a lot of players complain about congested schedule and i can't say i've i've heard it come from eric ten Hag yet so i think that's kudos to him and holding down forward i mean i think players are expected to play a lot of games obviously like you said 16 games and in, in the the short span that they have is an impressive feat but we'll see I think saying that they have Liverpool on the weekend is a great little segue into our next feature. So I think if you're cool with it, Sean, I think we'll, we'll skip the really fun in-between music that I know everyone loves and, and it just makes you want to get out all the time. But uh, <laughs> I think we'll, 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 we'll pop right into the, the look ahead for the next round of fixtures. And we are talking about Man U and the FA Cup. So uh, like you noted before, and we mentioned, we still have a lot of really high-end teams in the FA Cup. It's still kind of, early in the tournament in my eyes so i'm kind of expecting the premier league to to have this showing but we have fulham versus leeds and west ham versus uh man united i'm sorry yeah and versus man united and they're the only two prem matches up uh in the fa cup but that's a, a really two big games to look forward to we we highlighted both man U on a late fa cup run and highlighted west ham on possibly really competing there and I, i'm sorry i forgot when we were message mentioning it before but other than winning the Conference League for Europa, if West Ham makes a deep run in the FA Cup, they also have the opportunity to get into Europa that way. So Definitely. if you're West Ham, I, I forgot it. You're actually in a, in a very solid position. So it would be crazy to say chase the, for the Stars, go for the FA Cup, and go for the Conference League. But at this point, why not? I mean, both are, are, are both are achievable. I, I, yeah, definitely. It's And the other thing you have to mention, obviously – 
you know, United first trophy in, in six years. You talked about how much they celebrated. They got to turn around. They got to play this game Wednesday. There's an opportunity there for West Ham to take advantage and, um, and get a result. I, I think it's definitely possible. Obviously United's in great form, but you know, could there be a little bit of a hangover, both literally and, and figuratively uh, for this game on Wednesday afternoon? Possible. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it seems to be that way sometimes after a, a mid, like a kind of lower tier cup win that it, it, it kind of seems to fall off just a slight bit, but it, it will really show a lot of grit and a lot of determination with the Man United side to say, hey, yeah, we got one. We're, we're continuing. But I did. We did mention another team earlier in the cast, and that was Grimsby, uh, who are playing Southampton tomorrow. Uh, but they're in the EFL League Two, and uh, are they League Two? Yeah, they're yeah, League they're Two, League right? Two. Yeah, they're League Two. And I'm sorry, I think I made a mess up before. They were in the division prior to League Two last year, and they actually won promotion. Yeah, uh, they went through a promotion that way. So a really deep cup run for a League Two team here. So that would be that would be great to see. You know, that's why the the uh, the English Football Association has these cups, right? Because they give the ability for these Cinderella stories. So that would be a fun one to chase down and follow. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be awesome. I mean, as bad as Southampton's been, I I expect them to beat EFL League Two Grimsby Town. <laughs> but let me tell you, if they do, we're, we'll dedicate a whole segment to Grimsby. I'll become the most educated man on Grimsby if they pull off a win uh, on Wednesday afternoon. So, uh, yeah, we'll pull for them. And then just a couple of uh, just quick other roundups. Stoke City, Brighton, Leicester, Blackburn, um, as you mentioned, Fulham, Leeds, and then uh, Bristol City, Man City, and uh, Burnley, Fleetwood Town, Tottenham, Sheffield United are the other games going on. So that, that's across the space of the next two days. If you're uh, not working at 3 p.m. on a Tuesday or Wednesday <laughs> and not listening to this, I guess you could watch that, but I'd be listening to us at, at that time. Yeah, um, absolutely. A little more desk yeah. friendly. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll be fun. It, you know, a couple of, of you know, potential upset opportunities and then, um, you know, worst case scenario, if, if none of those pan out, we'll, we'll have a couple of really exciting quarterfinal matchups for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Getting into the regular program of the EPL standard season, we have, I wanted to highlight two games real quick, and then you can go into what ones you'd be looking forward to and your lock of the week. But we have Newcastle versus City. Uh, this is home for City at the Etihad at Saturday morning at 7.30 a.m. This could be a great bounce back for Newcastle to kind of prove us wrong with what we were just saying. Um, they did show promise throughout the game. They have shown promise throughout the season. If they can grind out a W against Man City, who, like I said before, is coming off of a 4-1 win, I think this would be a great opportunity, not only for me to celebrate for creating a little bit more separation for Man City, uh, but for Newcastle. And, you know, it, it has been a struggle for Man City. One thing, I, I don't know if I mentioned it before, but Man City hasn't won three games in a row yet. Um, and that clock got reset last week or two weeks ago, rather, with Forrest. So winning this week would be two. So we can expect them to win this one, the next one, and then tie or lose the following. So <laughs> hopefully that can come a little bit earlier. But I think this will be a really exciting game for 730 in the morning. I may or may not actually decide to sleep in one weekend, but I definitely want to <laughs> I definitely want to watch this. Yeah, and just going going off it, the first time that these teams played was probably the match of the season or, or one of the matches of the season. It was as you mentioned before, a three three draw, uh, where United or excuse me, New, Newcastle United went down early in the game, went up three one, and then 
Um, City came charging back and tied that game. So should be a very exciting one. Looking forward to it, definitely. Now, of course, my favorite game of the week, and I'm just realizing that I have a, I'm going to a Knicks-Brooklyn Nets game on Wednesday. So it, I might be going to social dark mode for quite a bit on Wednesday for a very prolonged time. But it's our, it's finally come. It's our game in hand that everyone's been talking about. Oh, Arsenal's at top of the table right now, and they have a game in hand. This is against Everton, who has put us in a very sticky situation in previous years and even this season, beating us at Goodison Park after a new, a new manager bounce of uh, Sean Dyche. So maybe we can get a little bit more revenge here. I mean, last time we played them at home, we won 5-1. I would love to show them that goal line again but for Everton's credit or discredit however you want to take it the game pre prior to the matchup last season at at the Emirates um, they were facing relegation again and they squeaked out a win the week prior and clinched staying up so when they played Arsenal at at, at, at the Emirates it, it was a kind of a, a for nothing game essentially so this is definitely a not for nothing game again for both teams so I think with the history that Everton and Arsenal have, it will be a very exciting one. And I really, really hope that either the Brooklyn Nets Knicks game goes extremely fast or I have the willpower to withstand and apologies to everyone who I will not be responding to text wise for at least 48 hours because it's going to be a long run. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, that's 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 a slog. I'll be watching that game at like 11 at night. 11 o'clock. Yeah. yeah, I might have to. So that'll be fun. Um, and then the other Thanks, one, time obviously, zones. <laughs> the other one, obviously, the big one this weekend is uh, Manchester United Liverpool. A game that, if I could describe in one word, it would be dread. Uh, just teams <laughs> in completely different forms. Liverpool obviously just got absolutely butt whooped, uh, and then a really just dry, boring draw um, against Palace at the weekend. So obviously, not great, Bob. Um, <laughs> but. But um, the, the one solace that I can take from it is the, that form goes out the window in a derby. It's what they always say. It's such a classic cliche, but it's so true. It really doesn't matter who you have, how you're playing. When you get a game of this magnitude, and we saw it earlier in the season when Man United came out struggling, I think lost their first three or you know had no wins in their first three, beat Liverpool 2-1 at Old Trafford. This game's at Anfield. The atmosphere should be live. Um, that, that's my only hope is that the crowd shows up and they really – really ball out. And then as, as we mentioned, um, maybe United gets slowed down by uh, some of the, some of the congestion of fixtures. Obviously what we mentioned, they play West Ham midweek. I expect to be a lot of rotation for there. Um, but if there's not, maybe Liverpool gets a chance to, uh, to beat up or jump on a, um, a tired man United team. Yeah. Well, for the top four hunt, uh, this would be a massive game for Liverpool to reduce the gap between Man United, who's currently sitting at three with Tottenham. I don't want to say hot on their tails because I, I, I still think we need to dedicate a segment to how Tottenham is sitting in fourth, and we'll get to that maybe in a future week. But it, it's a huge game, a lot of huge yeah. games. But I think everyone is – yeah, go ahead. No, sorry. I was just going to say, um, and you know, going off about um, games in hand as well, Liverpool obviously is two games in hand on – pretty much everybody above them with the exception of Newcastle. Um, so they play midweek against Wolves and then this game against United. So this is, if it's, it's now or never is basically how I'll say it. You know, if they don't, if they don't 
take at least a win against Wolves and, and points off United, then you can kiss top four goodbye. Yeah, unfortunately, I think that's the reality of it. And to, to talk just quickly about your game against Wolves, this is your fourth time facing them this season. You had the tie. What was it? it was I believe it was in, was it in the Carabao or was it FA? I think it was FA. It was FA, yeah, it was FA Cup. You had the tie with them initially, which forced another one. Um, in the last one, you lost one nothing. Prior to that, you guys played. Let's see. No, I'm lost, looking on. We lost three nothing in. Um, we beat oh, them the, in in the FA Cup and then lost three nothing a couple of weeks ago in uh, what I would call a Joel Matip disaster class. Correct. Uh, with, correct. Starting with an own goal. So, anything is better than that performance. I don't think you know. I I probably get proved wrong again because I didn't give them that their proper respect the first time. But I don't think Liverpool should be losing to Wolves twice in a season. I just don't think they're a good enough team. Uh, Wolves being that, um, you know, to, to, to beat them twice, but who knows? I would agree with you there. But one thing I do want to agree with you is possibly your lock of the week. Unfortunately, I have joined you and Kyle with a now record of one and one. Uh, North, the forest seems to be letting me down with all my bets this year. So I think I'm going to lay off of them for future references. But uh, this is your chance to take the helm and go two and one. Who do you got? Yeah, this week I am taking uh, the villains, Aston Villa, um, at home at Villa Park against Crystal Palace. Palace has not won a game in their last eight. Um, so Villa at the moment is plus 105. Um, and I am going to take them to win this match on Sunday. Beautiful. And you have uh, an Emmy Martinez coming off of another trophy, which he won, I believe, was the FIFA goalkeeper of the year. Um, so that was an interesting win this year, I think, maybe just solely because of the last save of the, the World Cup. And to be honest with you, that could go down as one of the greatest saves in the world. So let's see if he can he can help you out and do some shot blocking this game as well. But I think uh, that's very favorable odds in their favor. Still able to win some solid money on that, too. And uh, we'll see what you got. Just uh, one one last thing I wanted to gloat. Um... We talked about it last week. We put a poll up on on our EPL State of Mind social media page. Oh boy! Um, so if you if you don't follow us on Instagram, check us out. We post all of the um, all of the episodes from there. You can follow a link. Uh, but I did say that Georgina was not world class, and are both extremely intelligent and good looking listeners. Sixty percent agreed with me that he is not a world class player. I also think you tried to rig some of the voting because your brother and your girlfriend both voted yes for Georgina being world class. Christian is an educated soccer player and a che previous Chelsea fan, so there might be a little bias. And then sure. Juliet probably knows more soccer than the majority of our friend groups just based <laughs> off of my dumping of Arsenal fun facts into her brain. So I, I'm, I'm going to put that one up for debate still, but it will be – I will make a post, and I will reference that uh, that our good-looking fans have sided with the also very handsome Sean on this one. <laughs> but I'll, I'll come back. I swear I will. And Georgina will prove everyone this season that the 2021 season was not a fluke. But thank you guys, as always, for the listen. Uh, Sean and I had a great time today. We'll be returning with Kyle next week. And hopefully we have some great news and some more exciting games to kind of cover with you, everyone. But for now, uh, EPL State of Mind signing off. And enjoy the rest of your week. 